0: Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Today, I wanted to talk about this idea of anticipation and the construct that it really is talking about, which is expect, expectation. What are you expecting? Again, rhetorical question. I am not expecting you to say an answer to me. I am expecting you to look into your heart and see what comes up for you. What are you expecting right now? What are you expecting right now? Whatever you are expecting at the level of faith is what you will experience. That is a core fundamental premise of our teaching. What is happening in our mind, what is happening in our belief system, what is happening in the feelings that are related to our mind and our belief is what is creating our experience. It is creating the quality of our life. So what are you expecting right now? I am frequently in conversations with people, and surprise, surprise, um, as a minister, the philosophy usually comes up as part of the construct of conversations I have with people. And so it almost always, irrespective of what's happening in somebody's life, here's the thing, as a minister, I've committed myself to knowing a deeper truth about all the things that we call problems in our lives. And so as people express to me their perception of problem, my desire and my expression and experience is always to root myself in the heart space and say it's a perception and what wants to happen here what is the expectation here and it is a daily practice a daily practice i was led to henry david thoreau today um You know, mostly I go to Emerson when we talk about the transcendentalists, but there's this quote of Henry David Thoreau that I wanted to share with you today. We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake, not by mechanical aids, but by an infinite expectation of the dawn. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of man to elevate his life by conscious endeavor. We must learn to reawaken and very important, and keep ourselves awake. And then he says this phrase, not by mechanical aids. You know, sometimes I get up here and I talk about the approach we take to this entire philosophy, and we want to get in there. We want to manipulate the circumstances, manipulate the experiences, manipulate the stuff out there. That's what he's talking about. He's saying we should live in this awakened state, but not by trying to manipulate or coerce anything into happening. Our job is to be in that infinite expectation of the dawn. And boy, what flows forth from that conscious perspective. I also want to acknowledge the fact that it was gendered language at that time. And so when he refers to man, he does refer to us all, irrespective of our gender. In this construct of reawakening, what I think is that in our time on this plane of action, and we have a limited experience on this plane of action. Is there anyone who's not having a limited experience on this plane of action? Because if you are, you can come up here. Because <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. But in this time on this plane of action, um, we are often referring to the experiences we have, especially if you're in a spiritual philosophy or a spiritual community, as a constant path of reawakening, right? We're constantly trying to wake up, to let go of that sleep which we have been experiencing so that we can come into a greater understanding and expression of our infinite self. True awakening, true awakening, I think, what he is positing is that true awakening is in expectation. This is how we elevate our lives, to create the lives that we constantly talk about wanting, greater quality of experience, allowing ourselves to live in glorious, delicious expectation for the good. The good. And there are a lot of us who below the level of awareness, live in a consistent expectation of worry, of fear, of doubt. And so it takes work. Oh, and there I go again. (laughs) This philosophy is work. Is Diane here? (laughs) Because one of our former board members, and I love to tell the story that she told me. She said, you know, she had brought a friend to uh, church one day in a in a unity church, and um, they were sitting there, and, and at the end of the church, uh, at the end of church service, he said, "Well, what did you think? Did you like it?" And she said, "No." You want me to work on myself? <laughs> but I know that if you are here in this room whether you are here for the very first time you know nothing about the New Thought thought philosophy, you are here on purpose, even if somebody dragged you here. Because there is an infinite inner purpose that is drawing you to the experiences to which we are living in great expectancy. And so there is something that brought you to be here today. I hold that to be firm in my own heart, that as a result and a belief in my heart You get to decide what you believe, but I hold that as a belief that if you are here, you are here on purpose. And so if you leave with nothing else, leave today with purpose to perhaps make that one shift in your mind, that one shift in consciousness that makes your life better. And nobody else is going to do it for you. You're the one who's going to have to do it. You mean I have to work on myself? The other thing that happens is we show up on our Sundays and, you know, they're so, they're, they're, and this is, this is not meant to be disparaging of anybody who only shows up on a Sunday. Um, the question that I have is what happens when you walk past these doors and you experience the other six days of the week? Are you maintaining a practice of expectancy of the good? And if you're not, and it's okay, it's okay if you're not, I will just ask you this question. What are you waiting for? (laughs) What is it that you are looking to experience here? Notice I didn't say acquire here. What are you looking to experience here? Because it is the experience I think that you carry with you. What in your life has eluded you? A lot of questions today. What in your life has eluded you or that you feel has eluded you? Is anyone, again, rhetorical or maybe not? Yes, rhetorical. <laughs> Just check in with yourself and see if there's anything you feel is missing because something that you wanted or you thought you expected has eluded you in life. I like to talk about the big picture sometimes, the big picture ideas, right? It's when we get into class that we take it down to what I call the nitty-gritty, and we really put this stuff into practice. But let's talk about the big picture, because sometimes, sometimes it's easier to see the big picture, isn't it? It's like, oh, I can step back, and I can see the big picture, and now what is for me to do is to figure out in what manner might I navigate the big picture. What are the big picture things in your life that operate? What are the big picture things in your life that operate in your life? Like, what is it that is a driver for you? What is the big picture driver for you? I talked about this on Wednesday night. It's something that I called. Did I talk about it on Wednesday night? Everything mushes together sometimes. I I talked about the idea of a global intention, right? That you have this global intention. That's a big picture idea that drives you. And every decision you make in your life is based on this global intention. And if you can identify that, and there may be more than one, I want to be very clear. But if you can identify that, you're already a step ahead of what I think 90% of the people in this world are experiencing. So what is the big picture idea that drives you? Now, in relationship to that big picture idea, do you have any regrets going on? Are you feeling any regrets around that? Or do you have sorrow over something that you can look at in your past that is related to the big picture idea that you can say, oh my gosh, that was such a failure in relationship to the big picture and the direction that I want to move? Because here's what happens for a lot of people. They get mired in that stuff and then they can't move forward. Because all they can see is the big picture clouded by that. Let it go. Because you are unbound. That's the truth. You are absolutely unbound. Here's the thing. Sorrow and regret are easy. They're easy. So easy to get trapped into. We often live with this consciousness of sorrow and regret because we get something out of it. We get to tell our story. And we get sympathy, and we get that energetic connection with others called sympathy. What are you expecting to gain from holding on to all of that? I lived for a long time in the identity. I carried an identity of a failed relationship for me for a long time. And I would tell the story over and over Without, without an elevated point of view, because I would get sympathetic attention from people. And I would mistake that sympathetic attention for love. And a lot of us do that. And it is a form of love. I wanna be really clear. It is a form of love when your friends give you that kind of sympathetic attention. But the true love to embody is the love that is found right here within. And when you find that, that story no longer has any weight or bearing in your life. When I found that, that story went out the window as something that I had to carry with me to feel like I was being in an experience of love. Now I keep coming back to the story just because it's a good story to tell on a Sunday. As long as I lived that, as long as I lived that story, I failed to remember that I was in charge, and we do that a lot, too. I'm here to tell you, you are 100% in charge of your life, 100%. There is no one else who has any bearing on the flow of your life except you, but there's a caveat, unless you let someone else make those decisions for you. And so I'm going to encourage you today to check in free of judgment and determine for yourself, is this something that I'm experiencing? And is this something that I would like to turn around in my life? And if it is something that you would like to turn around in your life, you know what? The good news is this. You are in charge. You always have been. You always will be. We talk a lot about God Right? It's funny, because I think today is the... That's the first time I've said the word God. But we talk a lot about God. We talk about God in multiple synonyms. Uh, the infinite source, the, creative, the, the creator, the divine, the source energy. Whatever we choose to call God that greatness on demand, which is the truth of who you are, that greatness on demand. We talk a lot about God being present and creative in our lives, and yet we squash down that creativity by living in the past. It's true, God is consistently creating, but God can only create through you to the degree that you open yourself up to that unbounded, expansive sensibility, to the degree that you let go and live in the anticipation of only the good. That power cannot create without your causative energy being put into it. Now, we are always putting causative energy into it. The the, the trick is to understand if you are putting causative energy into it from the point of view of goodness and love and light and peace and power and beauty and joy, or are you putting the causative energy into it below the level of awareness into sorrow and regret? You get to make the decision because... Cause starts in mind. Your mind. That's what the great teacher was here to teach us. It is done unto you as you believe. That's why I spent a lot of time at the beginning of the service to say, check in to see what it is that challenges your beliefs here because your beliefs are creating your experience. I can't say it enough. You are in charge. So, what's the problem? What's the problem? I think... I think a number of us have fallen away from the idea that we are unique creators. What do I mean by that? I mean that we've gotten into this pattern of patterning other people's creative ideas. There is no requirement that any of us do that. So I spent a lot of time up here talking about self-reliance and self-expression as well, right? We release our power and give over to conformity. We conform to other people's ideas of what is acceptable. We take those on as beliefs as we grow up and learn what is acceptable in society, right? And there are some that I can agree with. I don't think murder is acceptable. If there's anyone here who believes that murder is acceptable, um, keep it to yourself. (laughs) But giving up my expression of identity and personality to conform to anybody else's idea of what or who I should be, to me, that is not acceptable. I must stand firm and we must all stand firm in the identity that we are unique, magnificent, glorious expressions of this thing called God. We've bound ourselves up for far too long trying to conform to other people's ideas. There's a, um, I, it, I didn't put it up here, but there's a quote that I often think of, and I wrote it down on my notes today, from Ernest Holmes, who is the founder of religious science. He said, It is probable that most of us go through life more or less hypnotized by what everyone else has believed. Oh, that's heavy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it begs the question, are any of us truly original thinkers? Or are we living in that hypnotic state, in that mesmerized state? Or are we living in anticipation of those things, repeating themselves and repeating themselves and repeating themselves until we step forth and say, no more, stop, I am changing my mind. Charles Fillmore was very, uh, f- very famously said, I reserve the right to change my mind. So, everything that is constructed around the unity philosophy, around religious science, around divine science, whatever new thought tradition you may have come from, no matter what, we are open to the potential that it is changeable. We have been simply repeating patterns. And even in this, we have patterns that we accept. That's why I say, question everything. That's why I say often that is how we can state clearly that we do not have dogma in unity or in the New Thought movement. We don't. We have doctrine. And I will clarify again, doctrine is a teaching, which is what we have. Dogma is a teaching that cannot be questioned. I invite you to question everything. Because I'm consistently in that state of questioning everything. Doctrine is meant to be questioned because that's how we grow. That's how we expand. That is how we thrive in this thing called life. New thought is rooted in the work of, um, if you go back far enough, and those of you who are in class in the membership orientation uh, with me last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, will perhaps remember this name. It's not a requirement. You're not going to get quizzed on it but we trace back to a guy named Anton Mesmer. Anton Mesmer, right? Which is where we get the word mesmerize. Because what Anton Mesmer was was looking at is there is a connection. There is a connection between the mind and the experience. And he was one of the forerunners of actually articulating it and putting it down and saying, I want to play with this. But it does beg the question, to what degree have we allowed our own mesmerized state, rooted in past paradigms, define our present? To what degree have we allowed those mesmerized states to define our present moment? And are we willing today to say, no more, no more, and live in the anticipation of something new? Live in the anticipation of something new and exciting and different and joyful? Or are you anticipating some past feeling is just going to keep repeating itself? So I mean, And that, uh, that's frankly a good one that I ask myself all the time. I have a tendency to want to recreate feelings because why? Well, they feel good, right? I want to recreate those things that make me feel good. But, I'm also living more and more in a state of not knowing, because anticipation is not knowing. I live in that state of not knowing and trusting faithfully that whatever needs to be known will be known and expressed and experienced. So what are you expecting in any given moment? That's really the question today. What are you expecting in any given moment? It all really started, this whole message today really started with that idea. What you are expecting, you will receive. So start to uncover your expectations. How do you approach situations in life? Do you approach situations in life with excitement or dread? (laughs) Because they're not so far off in terms of the physiological experience. Excitement and dread can feel the same. Do you realize that? Imagine two people, one filled with dread, one filled with excitement, approaching the same event. Who do you think is going to have a better time? <laughs> Who do you think will have the preferred experience or what we might call the preferred, uh, preferred experience? How much of your life This is again, as all questions are today, rhetorical. How much of your life are you approaching with the anticipation of dread? I will tell you, I I acknowledge this morning that I have a little bit of fear happening for me. That little bit of fear is around a decision I made about 15 years ago that at some time in my life, most likely the year I turned 50, and it's just, of course, that's the anticipation. It's all working out that way because that was a firmly held faith. The year I turned 50, I would walk the Camino de Santiago in Spain. You know, you know what the, that pilgrimage is? If you don't know, very briefly, it's a 500-mile pilgrimage. You start in the south of France, you hike over the Pyrenees, and you keep walking every day for five to six weeks. And I have wanted to do this for the past 15 years when the idea and the concept was first introduced to me, and I am doing it this year. And there's a little bit of terror in me around that. So my work, this is the work, my work is to let go of the dread and recognize and call it excitement. Where did we learn to fear? And are we willing to let it go? Hmm. You're in charge. You get to make the distinction and decision. If you are not consciously in charge, you are allowing your subconscious to rule. You are allowing those things below the level of awareness to rule. That is living in a hypnotized state that is probably not going to work out very well for you. So today, unbind yourself. Be unbound. Today, look at your sense of anticipation. It's exciting. Today, awaken to the infinite. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. And so each week I introduce this section by saying, if you are new to our community, I want to let you know I give homework every week uh, because, as I said at the beginning, this is meant to be a practical application of a spiritual philosophy. And so the homework is intended to help you guide, be guided into a practical application. So this week, I'm inviting every single one of us to pay attention to our expectations. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Could that be what my whole talk was about? <laughs> Are they rooted in past ideas of what should be? Or are you living in the expectancy of the good, irrespective of past ideas? Every morning, I want us each and every morning to wake up and write down, so keep a notepad by your bed, write down what you are expecting in that day. Just write it down, look at it, make some determinations. Don't qualify it as good or bad. Don't judge it. Just write it down. What are you expecting? Make some determinations. Ask yourself this question. Is this what I really want? Is this what I really want? And if it is, great, move forward. And if it is not, make a conscious choice to change your mind in that moment. Scratch out what it is that you want to change and write down a new expectation and see how your week works out.